Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. All right, everyone, welcome to the May 1st. In Hawaii, we say May Day is Lay Day. Sports Rivals edition. For Ernie, I am Monty, and today it's all about the NBA playoffs. A lot of juicy stuff to talk about there. And of course, we are going to recap the NFL draft and its 43 trades. Not a lot in the first round, but 43 trades over the next three days in total. And I felt like the Rams were a part of half of those. We kept trading down and trading down and trading down. But first, Ernie, let's get going with some NBA talk. And I'm not even sure where we want to start. I think the biggest upset certainly was the Miami Heat taking out the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm sure that was ecstatic for you to get rid of the Bucks. It, good and bad because I fear, I've told you this off the air, I fear Jimmy Butler and I fear Spolstra. Those two guys... You know, I am no matter what the, their record is, they put fear into Mark just based upon the history of Boston Celtics, Miami Heat. So if they do uh, advance into the Eastern Conference final and hopefully Boston gets there, uh, takes care of business with Philadelphia, I'm not going to be sitting on easy street. But would I rather have I'd rather have the lesser of two evils because. I definitely didn't want Milwaukee there. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 for sure. I know you didn't want to want you didn't want Milwaukee there. So let's just recap it quickly. I think that was the big shocker. Giannis got a lot of attention after uh, in his press conference when asked if this season was a failure, yeah. and I think he had a perfect answer. But there are some people like a Kendrick Perkins who's been riding on him all week long. Um, but I kind of agree with Giannis. It's not one champion and 31 failures. You can be disappointed. You may not have hit your goal, but I think the word failure is what really impacted him. You had the Knicks. The five-game victory over Cleveland was a surprise, and they really dominated them. I mean, the one game that Cleveland had was really it. The first game and the, and games three, four, five were not that close. Um I was really surprised. The Knicks played well. I thought Cleveland had enough to win in seven, but certainly put up more of a fight. They were listless um, in game five to me. Your oh, yeah. thoughts on that? Oh, series? yeah. As far as the whole series was concerned, I mean, it was, it was pretty evident that the, the lack of scoring prowess from the, you know, outside of Donovan Mitchell uh, was the Achilles heel for the Cavaliers. I mean, and then when he was cold, they they were just it, in total trouble. It, it, it was it was too tough. I think there's gonna be changes that are gonna be needed to be made. I don't know, and it, it's it's probably gonna be it's probably gonna be Allen. You know, I don't know if that's a change because they're gonna, definitely gonna keep Mobley. You know, in that position. I well, mean. you have you have Mitchell and you have Garland, so you have great scoring guards, but that's it. You know, they're not getting enough offensive production. They have great defenders. Mobley and Allen are kind of duplicate players. Yeah. Great defensive players, long, can block shots, can rebound. Um, but they're not getting any scoring from the three position as well. So they either have to bring in a scoring wing if they're going to have those two guys down low. Or like you said, they may have to flip one of the guys down low to get more balanced scoring. Because if you have a great defender like the Knicks did, gave Mitchell a hard time. 
and it was all she wrote for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, I believe that what they got to do, if, if I were, you know, if I were looking, uh, you know, looking at this uh, Cavaliers roster, you could get real good value for Allen, in my opinion. Get some good two-way player, someone who could provide more offense. You know, Mobley will only get better. Donovan Mitchell is a good defender. I mean, you got you got good defenders on, you know, to me, you have an abundance of defenders on Cleveland. They were the number one defensive team in the entire NBA. Of course, they, you know, they have defense. They lacked the offense when the offense was really in and was very prevalent. They failed, and I'll use the word failure, even though they're one of 30 teams out there, to score 100 points on, uh, you know, when, when you should. In my opinion, you should be able to put a, The Knicks are a very good uh, defensive team. Thibodeau was that for all of his career even when mm-hmm. he was back in the Boston days he was that defensive coach out there he you know he was able to put it but you should have still have uh you know have to have enough power to you know put at least three especially in today's NBA yeah that's for sure so let's go to the Eastern Conference semifinals it's now the um fifth seeded Knicks against the eighth seeded Heat um Miami wins game one already today but Jimmy Butler's ankle, if he is hindered at all, that could be a game changer because Miami is all about Jimmy Butler. And of course, the big one where you're concerned, second-seeded Celtics, probably a little disappointing to you that they needed to go to six games, especially the way game five ended. Philadelphia has been resting, but that rest means nothing if Embiid is not able to play. And it looks like he's doubtful right now for tomorrow's game one. Without a healthy Embiid, I don't see... The Sixers having a prayer, but the Celtics are usually good of giving away one or two games. Yeah. I like the Celtics in five without Embiid or six if he comes back. Yeah, I mean, injuries unfortunately have been the narrative to, uh, of this year's playoffs. I mean, you start off with uh, Giannis, and I think that was he was off, what, two and a half games. You know, that definitely played in, a part into, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks losing that series. I mean, you got the Miami Heat who advance, but they lose Tyler Hero and Victor Oladipo in that series. They have to uh, go on without him. I mean, I'm just knocking wood for my Celtics. They they have, uh, you know, be, been healthy so far. You mentioned already Embiid with the Philadelphia 76ers. Right now, listed as doubtful for tomorrow's game. I'd be surprised if I see him tomorrow. To me, you give you let one go away, especially when it's away, if you're Philadelphia and get Embiid back. The worst thing you could do is go into a game where you're already going to be underdogs. You know, you're already going to be underdogs. And if you re-injure, if he re-injures that uh, sprain, that lateral, was it LCL or I can't even remember what it's called. If he re-injures that, you could lose him for the entirety of the, the series. And without Embiid, your toast. Yeah, so I think at this point in time, it's, I would have to agree that I like Miami's chances because I think Spolstra and Jimmy Butler are just on another level when it gets to the playoffs. Um, I, but that's contingent on Jimmy Butler's health and availability. Yeah. If he's out, then I like the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, Probably well, in the next, in, in four straight, if Jimmy Butler is out seriously. If Randall comes back. Yeah, well, even without Randall, I think Jimmy Butler is that important to Miami. You, you, t- you start to take out Butler, Oladipo, hero man there's really no offense left um for miami so they'd be they'd be in trouble but jimmy butler finds a way that guy 
is the antithesis of Kawhi Leonard. So let's transition. <laughs> let's transition to the West. I think we both agree that it's going to be Miami and it's going to be Boston advancing in the East in the West. Um, today, Game 7, Golden State and Sacramento. Golden State had a chance to put them away at home with Game 6. They laid an egg. Sacramento wins that. I think they go home. Sacramento was absolutely crazy excited for their team. Sacramento in the second half lays an egg. Steph Curry shows why he's one of the greatest players of yeah. all time. Yep. 50 points. The greatest point production in a Game 7 in NBA history. And uh, Golden State pulls away, wins by 20. Yeah. Your thoughts on that series? Yeah, I, and I really thought that Sacramento, I picked Sacramento in six, and it could have easily been done in six. Game four, Harrison Barnes, I mean, with uh, the game on the line, uh, Golden State up by one. Darren Fox brings up the ball for the last. All they needed was two points, one to tie, two to go ahead. You know, they, they trapped Darren Fox. Like you mentioned off the air, this was already with his uh, uh, finger already broken. Uh, gives the outlet pass to Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes takes a, a flyer on a three, misses that. If he takes that, Sacramento is up 3-1. Most likely the series is over. They give life to Golden State. Golden State, with the championship pedigree that they, that they have, finds a way to do it in Game 7. Unfortunately, De'Aaron Fox... You know, just wasn't the same. Just wasn't that, yeah. And to, twelve points, you you got to give him a pass. It has to be injury related. Yeah, know? I mean, he wasn't the same once once yeah. he broke his finger uh, in Game Four. Give him credit; he tried to play. He had some moments where he was hot, um, but that's hard. I mean, to have the your index finger on your shooting hand. That's where the ball is falling off your finger every single time you're doing anything, dribbling, receiving, shooting. It's got to be problematic. It had to have an impact because he wasn't the same. Because he, he was the best player in the series through the first three and a half games. Oh, yeah, def- definitely. But what's not excusable is the 20 rebounds they allowed Looney for the third time in that series. Yeah. That's, that is, I mean, Looney's a good rebounder. For him to get 20-plus Three times in a series to me is unexcusable. Uh, albeit that the Sacramento Kings aren't, uh, you know, the best offense, a defensive rebounding team out there. They were definitely the smaller team, which was pretty much evident. But man, you gotta you gotta do something. Your game plan has to be to uh, at least limit him. Limit him. Yeah, they weren't getting a body on him. And Sabonis had a great game one. After the stomp, he really wasn't the same the rest of the series. He led the NBA in rebounding. And and he still was getting some rebounds. He was struggling offensively, but he was getting rebounding rebounds, but no one else was. And again, I think that's where the finger of De'Aaron Fox comes in. He's not going to go hard for rebounds because you just don't you know with with your broken hand he's kind of relying on everybody else and it just didn't happen now this sets up a unbelievable semi-final in the west with the six-seeded warriors and my seven-seeded los angeles lakers lebron versus steph again in the semi-final route the lakers as expected go back to memphis for game five they were tired memphis blew them out it was actually close for a little while there in the third quarter then memphis blew them out towards the end of the game the lakers came home with fire in their eyes it was treated like a game seven 
and it showed a 40-point victory Friday night. So the Lakers win 4-2. AD was absolutely spectacular defensively the entire series. Even the days that he was offensively out of it, he still was defensively dominant. But that performance on Friday, they said he had five blocks. I swear it was 10. Like he wasn't getting credit for tipping a number of shots, but he certainly was changing shots Definitely. left Definitely. and right. Definitely. Um, and it was an incredible team defensive performance leading to a 4-1 victory over those brash, loud mouth <laughs> Memphis <laughs> Grizzlies highlighted by Mr. Dylan Brooks, who... Uh, took a lot of heat after that game he did he talked a lot of trash after game two and he was silent the rest of the series especially when they lose as he leaves without speaking to any media and now it looks like memphis grizzlies are going to let him walk out the door permanently he's an unrestricted free agent and with his attitude a perfect fit for him would probably be the boston Celtics, right ernie <laughs> not enough no there is no way that Brad Stevens allows him. I mean, I mean again, again, this is the guy who let go uh, Ime Doka after a very successful year. So Dylan Brooks, find your way to, I mean, I'm all for second chances. Ime Doka got a second chance. Yeah. Maybe it's the Houston Rockets that he goes to. We, we never know. But that's the one thing about talking trash. You're going to talk trash. You better be able to back that. If you don't back up your trash talk, you're going to be walking with your tail between these. Like, yeah. That's exactly what it and, is. And it's one thing to talk trash. I mean, I get the talking trash, but you still got to be accountable. You can't just leave your teammates to take all the heat for your comments by just skipping out on all the media things. You got to stand up there and say, hey, I, I talked the trash. I don't regret what I said. They beat us. They were the better team. So be it. But, you know, be a man about it, not how he handled it because – by leaving, he put all that burden and pressure on his teammates True. who had to sit there and take all the questions and heat, which he pretty much created. Um, they had to take the heat for him. And, and as we talked about off the air, he's not very well received right now in, in Memphis by the fans, yeah. by the management. And I think even by some of the players, I think he put them in a precarious situation. Um, but the Lakers defense, Ernie, if the Lakers played that kind of defense... For all seven games against Golden State, they have a great chance of winning. If they play like that, all seven games, it's not going to go to seven games. Because I, their defense has been spectacular at times. I just don't know. AD tends to not yeah. play multiple good right. games in a row. And in this series, it's every other day. There's no three-day three between games. Now, granted... All they got to do is fly up and down the coast. So the flights are going to be significantly shorter than the four-hour flight to Memphis. To me, that's uh, advantage Lakers. I mean, let's hope so. Let's hope it's advantage Lakers. So I think this is going to be an incredible series. The Warriors are favored by five and a half in game one. They're, five, they're uh, uh, minus 155 to win the series, making them that's a pretty bad. good favorite uh, over the Lakers. I don't want. I'm hoping the Lakers win. I can see this series going either way. You're talking about four-time champions with a championship pedigree in Golden State. They are old. The Lakers' biggest star is old, but I think the Lakers have enough youth that they trust, and that defense is the key. Playing that kind of defense protects you in the event that you have a struggling offensive game. Because if the other team can't score. That's it. We just have to make it hard. I wish we had a Davion Mitchell type 
to put on Curry to make it hard for him because he's going to get his points. But if you can make him struggle to get his points and wear him down over time, that I think is the recipe for success against Golden State. Because if he gets 50 and he's shooting 30 something times a game, you're going to be in trouble because he's not going to go 10 for 30. He's, that's just not his DNA. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. And, and I, I, I have a feeling I, that I like the Lakers more than, in this series than you do. Even though I don't like the Lakers, I do respect their team. I respect LeBron. I've always respected Magic, you know, and, and all the OGs from the Lakers. I just hate the Lakers because I'm a Celtic fan. <laughs> but, you know, being we're on this podcast, in my unbiased opinion, I even though Vegas likes the Golden State Warriors, I like the Lakers in this series, and I'll tell you why. That Golden State defense is not the Golden State defense. They can turn it on for a while, and you've seen that in spurts against you know uh, the Sacramento Kings, but they cannot, they cannot sustain it like it was before. They cannot turn it on and off like they did before. When they needed a turnover, they needed a defensive stop, the old Golden State Warriors could flip that switch and... You know, they would combine their uh, their prowess on offense with an awesome defense and game over. That is not this year's Golden State Warriors. It showed with their uh, defensive statistics uh, in the regular season. They were ranked 17th, so which was basically uh, the second half of the pack. Uh, against the, uh, the Sacramento Kings, the Sacramento Kings had several games that they scored over their already historical average of one... Well, what was it, 119 per game? I mean, so in my opinion, I agree with you in regards to the Lakers' defense. Being able to control that Curry-led offense of the Golden State Warriors. And here's the difference. The difference is there was no rim protection for the Golden State Warriors. You had Kevon Looney going off in this uh, series against the Kings, having 20 rebounds for three. He is not going to do that with the likes of A.D., Vanderbilt, LeBron James, Hachimura in there. There is no way that I mean he may he'll 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 get his he'll get he'll get his ten to twelve. He's not going to get ten offensive rebounds. Not against that Lakers team. They are uh, the Sacramento Kings did play good defense on their best day. They're not as bad, as good as the Lakers on their best day. They're not as good as the Lakers. This is going to be a, a a very hard battle because in. The, unless the Golden State Warriors actually have a better three-point point shooting because they did not win this series against the Kings with their three-point. Yes, Curry went off. He went off today with 50, but he didn't go off, you know, shooting lights out from the three-point line. He's had better three-point uh, series. This was not one of them. Clay Thompson sh- struggled. Gordon Poole was the regular uh, inconsistent Poole. This is not that Sacramento Kings. In order for the Kings, in my opinion, in order I mean the Golden State, in order for the Golden State Warriors to take this series, they're gonna have to have an above average play from the perimeter in order to draw that uh, Lakers defense out. In order for it to get get in, because over a seven game series, you're not gonna win just trying to outshoot the Lakers. I I, I like the Lakers in six i hope so i mean it's going to come down to can the lakers play with that kind of energy like they showed in game six on a consistent basis and really it comes down to ad lebron is who lebron is already at 38 you know he's not getting the 30 points per game he's 
He's in the 20s. He had that 20 rebound game in game four. Um, but the Lakers will go as far as AD's willing to take them. And that's going to have to be consistent effort night in and night out. There cannot be an every other night effect with uh, with AD because this is not the Memphis Grizzlies with mental weakness. This is the four-time champion right. Golden State Warriors who are not going to lose because of mental lapses other than maybe Draymond doing something stupid. Yeah. But, okay, in the other series, which is getting completely lost right now, between the Nuggets and the Suns, game one, Nuggets destroyed the Suns. Uh, they're up 1-0. And I think the Suns were really lucky to even get a five-game victory over the Clippers yeah. without their two best players. Every game was still relatively close. It took outstanding, like, Jimmy Butler efforts from Devin Booker and a great series by KD, and they still were struggling. Both of them had pretty good games in game one, and they still lost by 20. It just doesn't seem like the Suns have enough, enough depth, enough to support Devin Booker and KD to beat the Nuggets. I really like the Nuggets in maybe five or six games. Yeah, I like I like them at five, and I'll tell you why. I mean, it, it, this is just a sample size. If you told me that Russell Westbrook would be your uh, most valuable player uh, on the other side in games uh, four and five, I would have told you that it would have been a Suns victory by 20 or 30 points. Yet they were still in the games, at least uh, you know competitive until the fourth quarter before things got out of hand. I mean, the depth on the Suns is just lacking outside of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Aiton. They have nothing. They started Okogi today. He had three points. They replaced, and they replaced, uh, <clears throat> boy, I can't even Tory remember. Craig. Tory Craig with Okogi. He only had two points. And their main six man uh, is still out. Yeah, He's still hurt. The, yeah, I mean, the, they, the backup point guard. Yeah, so. they 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 can't produce anything outside of the outside of that four. And you got Chris Paul who can come alive at certain points, but even him, if he gets fifty points, that's a good game for him. Yeah, he's definitely not the same. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Nuggets have too much. I mean, Jokic is going to be a problem. He can be a facilitator. He can be a scorer. He's always going to get rebounds. Um, Jamal Murray is Jimmy Butler light. He is a playoff player. The last time he was healthy back in the bubble, I remember that game vividly. Don, Donovan Mitchell. He and Donovan Mitchell both had 50s in one game. It was an incredible game, and Murray's starting to get some of that confidence back. Again, if Michael Porter Jr. is hitting his shot, they are awfully hard to beat because Jokic and Murray, I think you're good. You know what you're going to get from them. Porter can be hot and cold still at, at times. And the difference between this team is that they're all healthy for the first time in four years. And you have Aaron Gordon, who's a good wing defender, who is going to Durant's going to get his, but he's going to give him a hard time. He's going to make him work. And again, at 34, 35 years old, and you're forcing them to play 40 minutes a game. That's not a recipe for success. So we both like the Nuggets. I am hopeful that the Lakers will win. I think that's a complete toss-up. But two things have already happened, so that takes all the pressure off of my chest. The Grizzlies are out. We beat them. <laughs> and the Clippers are out. So at this point in time, as long as the Celtics don't win, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay, so gang, that was NBA Talk. You can tell we're excited. I mean, 
Ernie's team at this point in time has got to be the betting favorite now that Milwaukee's out. I would say that they're probably the betting favorite to win it all right now. Um, my Lakers are playing better than they have since the bubble, and I think they have a realistic chance of doing some damage. The team has come together. Their chemistry is awesome. It's great to watch it as a fan of the Lakers. Austin Reeves has just kind of brought the team together, has the confidence of LeBron and AD. So I'm hopeful that they will be able to advance. But one thing is for sure, Warriors, Lakers, huge ratings are going to happen in that series because you have the two marquee teams right now um, and and Curry versus LeBron. It's going to be huge viewership in that series. So let's transition to the NFL draft. That was actually longer than I thought we were going to spend on the NBA. But it was all worth it when we're talking <laughs> Lakers and Celtics. But let's get to the to the NFL draft. So what we want to do is we had our, our mock draft last time. And as we talked about, I think Ernie hit a few more picks, especially early on. I think he went four for four in the beginning. But then after that, it was kind of all over the place, yeah. which we kind of expected. I mean, teams jockeyed around. There was so much that could happen. So I don't think anybody really nailed the draft. Uh, at all maybe you got picks one two and then will anderson i thought would go to the texans i didn't know they would trade up from 12 to 3 to get them so we're going to focus on on the winners and losers but i think one of the winners for sure and i want to start here ernie is your pittsburgh Steelers. so everybody knows that ernie is a huge pittsburgh Steeler fan i have them listed as one of my winners not the biggest winner but one of the winners of the draft so let's start there tell me what you thought of the Steeler draft because I thought they knocked it out the park especially early on oh yeah value all the way I mean they, they might not have got in my opinion they got uh, I had him number one on my draft board as far as offensive tackle you know as far as Jones is concerned Broderick Jones uh, but even if he didn't they definitely got value with him at the number 14th pick I mean never in my life did I think that Broderick Jones would drop down to 14 but they did. They traded with the uh, New England Patriots for you know their 17th pick and their 49th pick. Omar Khan, first-year GM up for the Pittsburgh Steelers, does a masterful job, recoups that pick uh, by trading out in the third round, uh, still being able to get uh, you know value there and recoup that fourth-round pick. In the second round, they had two second-round picks. With the 32nd pick, they were receiving a lot of calls because everybody wanted Will Levis. That Will Levis, but they held their guns. They their need over there was cornerback. I thought they would go for cornerback early. They didn't, and it's a good thing because JPJ Joey Porter Jr. was able, was dropped into the second round. I had him, and so did a lot of mock drafts. Had him mid first round, or going to the Steelers even like 16, 17 yeah. in that first round. Yeah, they had him going. They had him going early, and Pittsburgh was able to pick him up over there with their second round pick. They were able to get their defensive lineman Keanu, who was actually a lot of. If you saw the draft mock draft boards in uh, early January, February, this guy was an early second round pick, late first round pick. The reason why he dropped uh, out of there uh, was basically because, uh, 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 what do you call that? He didn't have good competition. Once they saw him in in, uh, the senior bowls in 
all those. He leapt off the. He creeped up the board, going uh, in most mock drafts, going as high as uh, you know uh, the early first. Steelers were able to get him in the later part of the second round, and with their third round pick, to me that was the steal of the draft in my in my book, because they were able to get the tight end out of. Uh, Darnell Washington. Darnell Washington out of out of Georgia, and the knock on him was he had fluid in his knees. He was supposed to be one of the better tight ends of this mm-hmm. draft. No one picks him up. He was supposed to be again like like uh, a late first, early second. Mm-hmm. They get him late. In the third. Yeah, it's tremendous value there Perfect. with Darnell Washington. I, I was wondering why he was dropping, but there is a knee, there, there is a risk with his, his in, I, uh, injury history. But for the Steelers at that point in time, you have Pat Fearmuth. You don't need this guy to step in, but he can play a role. He's a role-grading blocker. blocker. He's 6'7", 260. He's 6'7", so he's another target down at the end zone for Kenny Pickett. I think he can certainly make use. You just hope that his knees last. But if he can give them four or five, years with this kind of value it's incredible brilliant move getting ahead of the Jets who wanted Broderick Jones um, then to have Joey Porter fall there to them in the second round is awesome they get the big defensive tackle to plug into that rotation then then they get the the, t- the luxury tight end pick then they come back with Hawaii's own Nick Herbig to join his brother there uh, you were saying that some in Pittsburgh are like ah hit and miss this guy is a, is a dog. He's a player. He can play inside. He can play outside. Um, he's got a little bit of baby T.J. Watt in him. We talked about that last week. He's not going to be T.J. Watt, but there is no other T.J. Watt. If he can be 70% of T.J. Watt, that would be a tremendous rotational piece. At 6'3", 240, gives him flexibility. Uh, I love the Herbrig pick. Even Corey Trice. He was rated like in the top 100. I'm not sure why he fell, but he fell all the way to the seventh round. Cornerback. Yeah, cornerback. That's great value there. Top to bottom, the Steelers knocked it out the park as they normally do when it comes to the draft. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it, especially having a new GM. I mean, he's pushing all the right buttons. Everybody is forgetting about Kevin Colbert. Although I, I mean, he brought us two Super Bowls. You can't forget Kevin Colbert. He was he was the architect, you know, of and and he had to play a part in you know 16, 16 or eighteen consecutive non losing seasons in Steelers history. So yeah, Steelers are just well run. They're always going to do yeah. things the right and I, way. And I think that's why the fans are are they're just spoiled. I don't look at the Herbig pick as he's gonna. He's supposed to start. He's not going to start over a defensive player of the year. He's not going to start over Alex Highsmith, who had 14 and a half sacks last year. And at one point was leading the NFL sacks for like two or three weeks. He's a rotational piece. What do you expect out of a late, late fourth round draft pick? Terrific pick in my opinion. Yeah, okay. So let's talk about the Rams real quick because they're not in my top drafts. It's going to be very hard to... Uh, evaluate the Rams draft 14 overall selections of course none in the first round we continually trade it down as we talked about previously the Rams have only four before the draft the Rams had only 44 players on the (laughs) roster so they needed to accumulate as many picks as possible they kept trading down I love their first pick Steve Avila I actually had him in my mock draft going to Dallas in round one. I think he's a plug-and-play guy at guard, possibly center. He played a 1,000 snaps at each position. 
Last year, the Rams' offensive line was a complete, utter disaster. If the Rams have any hope, that line has to be solidified. I love Avila uh, sliding in right there. I like Byron Young with... Um, in the third round, he's got blazing speed. I love his Kurt Warner type story. He was working. Uh, then he went back to school. He's 25 years old already, but he's got 4-4 speed. He's got burst off the edge. I think we definitely need that since we have no pass rushers. Um, but with 14 players, you have some, you just kind of don't know. We had no punter, no kicker, no long stopper on the roster. Yeah, but you could pick them. So we, we, yeah. and we drafted a punter in the seventh round. And then in the free agent round, we've signed the long snapper and a kicker. So it remains to be seen. I like the value they got in the cornerback from TCU late. They got some defensive tackles. They need bodies. At the end of the day, they need bodies. How many of these 14 players are going to be contributing starters? That remains to be seen. But they're going to need at least two of them to start because we don't have players. Um, But I thought it was very, very important to fortify that offensive line. And I think they did that with Avila. They drafted McClendon, the tackle from Georgia, who had not given up a sack in a couple of years to possibly play on the right side, create depth. Stetson Bennett, that pick in the fourth round, Ernie was always higher on Stetson Bennett than I was. Um, Some Rams fans love the pick. It's like Nick Herbrig, but times 10 because he's a quarterback. At the end of the day, the guy's a winner. I mean, he's won two consecutive national championships. Everybody wanted him to not get uh, the job, and he kept winning the job, and he kept winning national championships. He's small. He just doesn't make sense that he's as good as he is. But he's going to be the quarterback of the future, possibly for the Rams. So this is what I think is going to happen. Stafford's going to play one more year. We're going to see what we can get out of him. And at that point, they're going to cut ties with him, whether he retires or we cut him to save that $40 million in salary. I believe Stetson Bennett's going to get a crack here. I believe so. At at being the quarterback. He's another one who's 25, so he's old. He's experienced already. I don't think he's going to come in and and be... um, I don't know. He's not going to have the athletic. He's not going to wow you like a Trevor Lawrence or he doesn't have the tools of a Will Levis. But he sure had a better college career than a Will Levis. Definitely. definitely. You know, so, you know, that's going to be really, really interesting to see how he plays out right there. If he can be for the Rams, what Brock Purdy was for for the 49ers, that's kind of really all, all, you know, only what you need. And, And I love the Rams running back. They got Zach Evans who was one of the top recruits in the nation about four years ago, went to TCU, traded, uh, transferred to Ole Miss. So we'll see. I think Pittsburgh coming out of the draft has far higher expectations than the Rams, who are now up to 58 players on the 90-man <laughs> roster. <laughs> we still have a ways to go. And the Rams are going to go nowhere unless Stafford, Cup, and Donald stay completely healthy for 17 games. And the offensive line stays completely healthy for 17 games. Anything less than that, we may be picking high in the draft next year, which is great because we finally have a first round pick for the first time in eight years. So that's the recap of our two favorite teams. Again, Ernie's team at least placed uh, in, in my eyes at the top in terms of rating. So I think we're going to agree on, on some of the things, but I'm going to kind of just spit spit out maybe the my top two others that I like, and then we'll kind of go back and forth from there. I think the obvious one, Ernie, is the Philadelphia Eagles. You mean the Philadelphia Bulldogs. I mean, the Philadelphia (laughs) Eagles just killed this draft. 
Some of it is luck, some of it is skill. They go from 10 to nine to secure Jalen Carter. Then Nolan Smith, who I had as a top 10 uh, pick goes 30th to them. Then in the third round, they trade up to get Keely Ringo, who had a much higher grade. As Ernie alluded to, they are stockpiling Georgia Bulldog players, which is not a bad idea considering they've been the most dominant defense in college football for the last few years. That's five Georgia Bulldog defenders in the last two years. In the last two years, that are gonna. That were drafted. That Four were. of them will start or be high re- rotational players, and Ringo will probably work his way in as a as a nickel or a you know a dime cornerback. So it's and but it wasn't just it wasn't just those picks. It was the ability to finagle Detroit. a DeAndre Swift trade, yeah. where all they do is swap seven round picks. It's kind of like us and Allen Robinson to you, and give up <laughs> a fourth round pick. In 2025, that's two years from now. And now you get DeAndre Swift, who's perfect for that offense because he has breakaway explosive tendencies. He's not going to be expected to do much, but he can catch the ball. He can break tackles. And they have depth. I thought the Eagles just absolutely killed this draft. Yeah, they were, you know, I love the Steelers draft. The Eagles were just better. I mean, I I hate to say it. To me, Carter was the best defensive player of the year. I mean, say what you want about his off-the-field antics and whatnot. As far as a pure football player, the guy is a monster. And you surround him with all his college teammates. So there's a comfort level there that's going to be just unbelievable. And and to, to basically rob Detroit out of the Andres. Well, not rob because, you know, they got Bijan there now. To me, it was a little bit of a reach uh, for Detroit. Well, Detroit, Bijan went to the Falcons. Um, sorry, the Falcons. They got Gibbs at yeah, 12. At 12. I'm sorry, that, that was, was the, reach. the reach. That was the reach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they definitely. But but the Eagles, I, 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 they get Tyler Steen, a tackle from Alabama. They get Sidney Brown, a safety from Illinois. All All-Americans. And then... At the end, they even get um, Ojomo, a defensive lineman from Texas that somehow dropped for whatever reason. Some had a third round grade. They get them late in the seventh round. I thought the Eagles knocked it out of the park. Who now, else, one, who else did you like? I like the New York Giants. They didn't have a lot of picks, but I thought they had really good value. Deontay Banks drops to them at 24. Then I think in the second round, they take who I believe is going to be a Pro Bowl caliber center in Schmidt uh, from Minnesota. I have a feeling with him the same way I had with Creed Humphreys two years ago. This guy is going to be special. I kind of wanted the Rams to take him even over Avila because then you could get rid of Brian Allen and just plug him there in the center spot. But they got him. I think he's a plug and play day one starter, future NFC Pro Bowler once the Kelsey brother retires. And then they get Jalen Hyatt. They trade up. They get Jalen Hyatt, a wide receiver. They're going to need that. Um, those are the three highlights that I just thought they had tremendous value at every one of those first picks with guys that are all going to start from day one to me. Yeah. For me, I also, I mean, I agree with you on top. That. I also like the New England Patriots. They traded with the Pittsburgh Steelers at uh, from 14 down to 17. You figure, okay, how did they do so well? Well, they were able to get in... In my opinion, 
And, and in some other mock drafts, he, this guy was the number one corner over Witherspoon. I actually had this guy, you know, in my top 10. I think you had him in your top 10. Mm-hmm. He drops down to 17. You know, they're able to get cornerback Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, in my opinion. Uh, that was a steal. I never thought he would drop that far. Then in the second round, he gets Keon White at 46. And Keon White at 46, that's another player who was, you know, depending on what draft mock drafts you're looking at, another potential first-round pick. I thought the Patriots, just based on those two picks alone, I think they did very well for their team. I think they have good value. The only trouble that I have with, with, uh, with the Patriots is they're always going to go with Belichick there with a defensive mindset. And I just believe that they're so offensively deficient um, that I was surprised. I was surprised that they passed on Jackson Smith and Jiba, even as good as Christian Gonzalez is. He was sitting there. They had some great tight ends there. He likes his tight ends. They lost Jonu Smith. Um, but Christian Gonzalez is a top 10 caliber player. He's not a bad player, but man, at, they're going to have to outscore the Bills, the Dolphins, the Jets now with Aaron Rodgers officially there. I just don't know if that's the model. The quality of player, definitely they had a great draft. How it makes them a better team remains uh, a question. Who else do you like, Ernie? I, I, I mean, I like. I hate to say it, but I, I, I kind of liked what uh, my nemesis in the AFC North did. Uh, you know, the which one? <laughs> All of them have pretty good grades, according yeah. to Kuiper. I love the Bengals. I thought the Bengals had the best draft. I, I like I like Baltimore. I just I, I thought I you know when you get Lamar was right before right before the draft agrees to the contract you know extending his uh, career as a Baltimore Raven. Uh, I don't know if this was part of the deal in them securing him, but they take Z Z Flowers. I think that does wonders for that offense. If you look at uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, maybe that's a reason for him not to run as much out of the pocket or does what he does. To me, that just makes him a better quarterback, in my opinion. They already got uh, Odell Beckham. Yeah, and they already Big got. Man. They already got, and and these guys, the Baltimore and Andrews and Likely as they, tight ends. These guys already have uh, a depth piece in the Baltimore Ravens that, I mean, we've seen it when half their team would go down to industry, injury, that they're still competitive. I thought this was going to be a down year for the Baltimore Ravens. They get Lamar Jackson back, and then they give him uh, probably who he would have wanted out of the draft if he was the general manager in Zay Flowers. So, uh, I mean, hats off to them. They're, they're making it. A lot more difficult for the Pittsburgh Steelers. (laughs) I I still like the Bengals. I think the Bengals are the cream of the crop in the in the uh, in the North. Um, I love the fact that they they lost both of their safeties, and I think they replaced them with DJ Turner, who's a cornerback, but the fastest guy in the draft. I think he slides right in there at one corner spot. Jordan Battle from Atlanta is going to be a day one starter. Miles Murphy is going to create great depth. I think you had Murphy going pretty high mm-hmm. in the draft, and, and he slipped to them at, at 28. I love Charlie Jones, a wide receiver from Purdue. Small guy, he'll be a punt returner, he'll be a kick returner. He's different from Chase and Higgins and Boyd. He's completely different. He's a smaller player, he's a true slot. I think with those guys on the outside, he should be able to finagle the inside um, 
area. I, I really, really like him. And then Sidney Brown's twin brother, Chase Brown, who was a All-American running back, led the nation in rushing, I believe, this year. They get him. Now, whether it's just to take uh, P. Ryan's place, who left, or possibly to eventually take over for Mixon so that they can free up some salary uh, salary. Uh, spots there. I love the addition of Chase Brown. So I think the Bengals really, really, really did well. After that, Punahou boy from Princeton, they drafted the wide receiver from Punahou. Um, I don't even know how to really say his name, but Andre, wide receiver. He went to Princeton. He's from Hawaii. He's from Punahou High School. He's now a Bengal. Probably not going to make the team with that wide receiver robe, <laughs> but he's there for now. So I really like what the Bengals did there. I also love what the Seahawks did. Not necessarily the whole draft, but the top of the draft. Again, the value. They took the best corner in the draft by most accounts at five. People were a little bit surprised. They didn't go Jalen Carter. They went Devin, or they didn't go Edge with Tyree Wilson. They went with Devin Weatherspoon. And then Jackson Smith and Jeebo falls in their lap at 20. You put that guy in the slot with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, and then you have Kenneth Walker, and then you draft Zach, uh, you know, Charbonneau from UCLA. You now have depth at the wide receiver spot, depth at the running back spot. Geno Smith, you're going to invest in him, which is smart. I mean, you just gave him $100 million for three years, uh, and then you reinforce that offensive line. I love what the Seattle Seahawks did, much to the chagrin of my Los Angeles Rams. Now, who didn't you like? Who dropped the, uh, like, kind of, kind of give you a head-scratcher over there? You know, there wasn't anyone that I really thought was terrible. I thought the Detroit Lions' first round was a little bit of a head-scratcher. You know, um, the fact that they traded down to get more assets I thought was great, but to take Jameer Gibbs at 12 I found surprising, especially when they had the 18th spot there. Um, I didn't think that was logical. And apparently they loved Jack Campbell, who they took at 18. I thought they were going to get their tight end, which they were able to do in the second round. So the first day, I would have said Detroit, to me, was the most head-scratching. But in day two, getting Laporta, you know, TJ Hawkinson was an Iowa Hawkeye. Iowa is turning into tight end U. So getting Laporta, I think, fills that need. And I thought they did something smart. They traded up ahead of the Rams to get Hendon Hooker, which I think is good. He can redshirt this year. They still have Jared Goff, but Jared Goff only has $5 million of dead cap money next year. So if they wanted to move on from Jared Goff and free up salary cap, Hendon Hooker can step right in. You're getting a first-round talent in the middle of the third round or in the early part of the third round. I thought they rebounded a little bit better after a dreadful uh, start. And then other teams that didn't have a lot of pick, like the 49ers, they they really didn't do anything because they traded their first-round pick for Trey Lance, their second-round pick for Christian McCaffrey. If it wasn't for the fact that all of their um, their assistant coaches got head coaching positions and they got all these compensatory picks they probably wouldn't have had anything they took a kicker in the third round though which was a head scratcher (laughs) um so i mean i I think detroit's first round was the only thing that really stood out to me as negative yeah um but did you find anyone that you thought was was curious no i mean that uh, that was just head scratcher detroit to me uh uh, to get Jameer Gibbs that early was a definite reach. Even at 18, if they got him at 18, in my opinion, uh, they could have just traded back and they could have still got Jameer, uh, you know, in, in the in the 20s or something like that. And Jack Campbell, although he was, he was probably the top-rated linebacker in, in inside linebacker, yeah, in in most mocks, to get him at 18, I think it was still a reach. 
I think they could have done better uh, draft management, possibly trading down from the 12, acquiring more picks, and you could just still got both of those players. I don't think they got any value. I'm not saying those players are bad. Those players are good. But for where they were placed within the draft, I think the Detroit Lions could have done a lot better as far as getting more quantity, you know, over, uh, in my opinion, less quality at the positions that they were drafted at. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would agree. I think one more team that I that I wanted to uh, address is the Indianapolis Colts. So I think, obviously, the success of this draft is going to be predicated on how they develop Anthony Richardson. Yeah. This freak of a talent, if he develops the way people hope he develops, if their head coach can do with his talent what he did with Jalen Hurts, then that's going to be wonderful. But I thought they had pretty good value all the way down. I mean, uh, they got Brents, the cornerback, in, in the second round. They got Josh Downs, a wide receiver, in the third round. All value. They got a couple of tackles in Blake Freeland from BYU, um, especially him that could fortify that offensive line. For some reason, out of Bawari from Northwestern, the defensive end, defensive tackle, who had first or early second round grades in many mocks, fells all the way to the fourth. They're able to pick him up there. Darius Russell a cornerback with a second and third round grade they get in the fifth round as well will mallory from my miami hurricanes great receiving tight end not a very good blocker but a great receiving tight end i thought the indianapolis Colts did pretty well getting value up and down the board but again it's all going to come down to what do you make out of anthony richardson and how good how quickly can he become oh yeah and that is a big gamble of over there i mean i picked them at number four but only for the reason that that indianapolis needed a quarterback over there i only see you know from the outside looking in i only see one starter coming out of this draft uh you know you you got some rotation pieces but i the only guy who i see starting this year is julius brent's I love them as a cornerback. The rest are good pieces out there. Yes, they get value for them. But the reality of it is that will they beat out your current starters out there? Anthony Richardson, boomer bust. I mean, big boomer bust on uh, on that pick. He, I mean, boy, when uh, when the Kansas City Chiefs got Mahomes, uh, at least they got him late. <laughs> you know, not at that number four pick. I picked them there. I. Definitely don't think he deserves to be at that position. In a perfect world, they could have probably got him, you know, late first, early second round. But it is what it is. I could be eating my words here, and he could be like the next thing uh, in the NFL. Well, you know what they say with quarterbacks, right? I mean, there's three that went in the first round today. One will hit, one will bust, and one will be okay. Yeah. That's kind of what the what the averages are. So. And of those three, I mean, Bryce Young went one, but with his size, that could be a question mark. Anthony Richards has all Richardson has all the tools in the world. Can he put it together and be accurate enough? And can C.J. Stroud be the first Ohio State quarterback to have a successful yeah. NFL career? Yeah. I mean, those are big ifs. And then there's Will Levis with question marks that drops him out of the first round. And then Hendon Hooker, the 25-year-old ACL recovery guy, who I have a sneaking suspicion in Detroit, with that offensive line they built, with the young receivers and the young running backs, he's in a great situation going forward. So oh. I actually like Hendon Hooker situation better than the other four that went ahead of him. Um, okay. But I'm actually glad. We talked about it last week. We had mentioned, I was like, maybe Hendon Hooker can slide to the Rams. I'm actually glad they didn't take him 
right now because at the end of the day, we got to fortify the team. If he's going to take a redshirt year, it's not going to help us if we have no linemen to block for him next year anyway. So I'm glad the Rams win the route of try to build the trenches and then we go Stetson Bennett instead of Hendon Hooker and we'll cross our fingers that that works out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would give them both equal... Uh, opportunity but you're right I mean they got a good line over there Goff did very well last year better than I really thought I mean he's got a good receiver in Amon St. St. Brown over mm-hmm. there so he's got Jameson uh, you know Williams although he's suspended for the first six games for gambling after missing most of last year at the ACL but he's gonna come back mm-hmm. he's gonna be uh, they, they have a offensively they have a tremendous tremendous team I actually like them as the second best team in the NFC yeah after the Eagles right now, to tell you the truth. Wow. Without knowing what the 49ers quarterback situation is going to be. I think the 49ers are the second best team in the NFC if we know that their quarterback is going to be available. And we still don't know that Purdy's going to be available. And they're still trying to get rid of Trey Lance, apparently. So we'll see how that goes. But I really like Detroit heading into next year to take a leap forward and be an 11- 12 win team yeah I, I i would be i would be on that bandwagon now you know a lot better than they did and they did pretty well this year they did they beat a lot of good teams yeah and they scored is their defense that needed some help they got some defensive help they brought it in in free agency now let's see if it pans out for them and it works so we want to know what you guys think who's your favorite team who do you think did well i think the eagles are the obvious choice but some of you may have different takes this year when i looked at the grades where they'd be pff or mel kuyper or whatever it didn't seem like they really thought anybody bombed i mean mel kuyper's lowest grade was a b minus everybody went from an a to a b minus which is surprising because he's usually good for an f or a d or a c minus of some sort but he had everybody b minus and above like we talked about question marks for the detroit lions early on but who knows so tell us what you think sports rivals podcast on ig and facebook sports rivals pod on twitter what do you think about the nfl draft who's your favorite team what are the best picks that you saw out there but i'm going to turn it back over to ernie who's got his closing thought and i have to apologize i was so fired up last week after (laughs) our mock draft i completely (laughs) forgot about ernie's closing thought and it would have been so good because he was going to hammer on dylan brooks Brooks, he was going to hammer on dylan brooks and i just had a brain fart and I closed out the show and he was like, oh, wow, what about my closing thought? <laughs> so here we go. You've been waiting for two weeks for this, but Ernie's got your closing yeah, thought. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about Dylan Brooks. You could, you could see that on TikTok and all the, all the media. I mean, that guy created his, his own thought of the week. I mean, I, I mean the, the fans of uh, the Memphis Grizzly, his teammates <laughs> and the national media can take took care of that, uh, that, that category. I'm going to pivot, but I will pivot back to the NBA, and I'm going to go back to the Milwaukee Bucks, who, in my opinion, I hate to say it, I love Giannis. Giannis is probably my favorite player outside of the Boston Celtics. I mean, the guy came from, uh, I mean, late-round draft pick, tremendous worker, I like him also because of the stuff that he does outside of basketball. He is a tremendous human being, uh, good guy, helps his family. Uh, there's nothing. I hate the Milwaukee Bucks almost as much as I hate the Lakers, but I love Giannis Antetokounmpo. But my thought has to come back to with this failure, is it the beginning of the end for the Milwaukee Bucks? 
I mean, they lost to a number eight seed, a number eight seed who did not have uh, Tyler Hero. They did not have Victor uh, Oladipo. They were up 16 points, 16 points, you know, in the closeout game, and they still found a way to lose. Uh, there's something awry with the Milwaukee Bucks, and I have a feeling that this is the beginning of the end and that Atantikupo, if he wants to win another championship, he's either going to have to be a little patient... Or go to the Lakers. Or, or go to another... Exactly, or go to another team, because I don't think it's going to be happening, uh, you know, in, the, in, in Cheese City... Or, or or beer city, depending on how you want to. Well, I, I definitely think you're right, Ernie. I think the first thing that's going to happen, I'd be shocked if in the next week or so, Budenholzer, Budenholzer doesn't get fired. He, I, I only, I believe the only reason that he hasn't been fired yet is because of the situation with his brother getting killed in an automobile accident during that series with Miami. So it would be completely heartless and classless of the Bucks to fire him when he's going through that kind of a personal turmoil. But I believe that's the only reason he hasn't been fired. I think eventually he goes. Yeah, I mean, the decisions that he made, not making timeouts, uh, rotations uh, on, to- on there, not guarding Jimmy Butler after he goes off on you for 52 points or 56 points. Uh, you can't do that. You can't do that with the pieces that you got. You were the number one seed. You got arguably the best player on the planet in Antetokounmpo. I mean, you got uh, Brooks Lopez, who was, who, was, who was in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. Bobby Portis, who was up for Sixth Man of the Year. You got Drew Holly, who, in my opinion, is probably one of the best or one of the best two-way players at his position. I mean, that, that team was loaded. And basically, all you had to do is tell them what to do, not screw up, and they're at least past the first round. And you couldn't do that with an undermanned, and I'm going to say it again, an undermanned, even though Jimmy Butler went off, an undermanned Miami Heat team who was seeded number eight after losing a home game to the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, there's just too much. Now, here's the second thing about it. Why It's not just the coach. They have contracts to, to review. Brooks Lopez is up for renegotiation. Chris Milton is up for uh, renegotiation. The collective bargaining agreement is going to come into play in regards to some of your roster pieces. There's a lot to be considered over here. The Jay Crowder trade was a disaster. Uh, I couldn't believe that some of the national media is saying that they had the best... Uh, the deepest bench in the NBA. Uh, yeah, that took you right out of the first round. You know, overrated, overrated, overrated. This team needs a lot of work. Uh, Budenholzer will not be there. And again, I think it's uh, it's a very aged team. Even though you bring back some of the pieces, Middleton is 32, Lopez is 35, Drew Holiday, I believe, is 33, you know, Atentacubo is the youngest one, and he's 28, so he's right at his prime. Uh, but with the style of play that he plays, that prime might not be as long as a LeBron prime. You oh, know, no. so you're gonna you're gonna you're you're gonna have to act fast, or in my opinion, uh, you know, 
Giannis is going to have to make some very tough choices. I think they're going to have to make some changes. Like I said, I think it starts with the coach. I think if you get a good coach in there, maybe you don't have to make too many dramatic changes. But I think Chris Middleton is done as the Chris Middleton from a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. Once you start dealing with the knee issues that he's had now for a full recurring. 13, 14 Re- months, recurring these injuries. kinds of things yeah. don't go away. It's not going to get any better. He is not near the player that he was two years ago. So in terms of re-upping him at this point, definitely they shouldn't do that. I think they're going to probably look to move on from him and try to get somebody younger that maybe can slot in there somehow. I think Lopez as you bring back he's a tremendous defensive player he can hit the three he's a glue guy he's getting better with age for whatever reason he's playing the best basketball uh, total basketball of his life he was a scorer once upon a time now he's a great defender who can shoot but you're right i mean i think at this point in time if you take a look at the future uh, of the of the east i think you say you start with the boston celtics because they still have youth and the two young studs uh and then from there, there's a lot of questions. There are I mean, a lot. the Knicks are good. We talked about the Cavs already. The Sixers, they're okay, but Harden's getting older. Tobias is Tobias. I mean, you have Maxi and Embiid, who you never really know. The Brooklyn's in a mess. The Hawks, Trey Young will probably not be back. I mean, there's not a lot there. Um, and you're right, Milwaukee has fallen off faster than expected. And it's going to be a interesting, long offseason for the Bucks. Yeah, yeah, it will. I believe your former coach, Vogel, will probably be the replacement uh, over there in Milwaukee. But we'll see in regards. Too bad for Emil Udoka. I think that would have been a perfect fit for they him. They would have, but I'm not sure if they would have gone that route. I think Houston is probably the perfect fit for Emil Udoka because he's got all those miscontents, malcontents <laughs> down there. I don't think people are really paying attention. I think he can kind of slide in. But if he can get those players to mesh, that's a lot of talent. They're just kind of all over the yeah, place. Yeah, and they got a lot of cap space. With that talent. And it's all about getting Victor and Benyama. If yeah. you get him, all of a sudden, everything looks looks good. But the Hawks, I mean, DeJounte Murray loses his mind. Trey Young's probably going to be traded. A lot of chatter about Trey Young going to the Lakers. I hope that doesn't happen. I love Trey Young. He's an exciting player. But that's not the formula that's working right now with the Lakers. Somebody who's ball controlling, shooting threes, no defense. That's not really what we need right now. I'd rather... I'd rather just keep D'Angelo Russell at a fraction of the cost um, than than do the Trey Young deal. So it's going to be a wild, wild NBA offseason, but we're not close yet. Ernie's uh, Celtics and Sixers series starts on Monday. Um, Again, we both like the, the Celtics barring something unforeseen. Winning that, Ernie says five. I say six if Embiid plays, five if he doesn't. We both like the Miami Heat to beat the Knicks. Um, For me, it depends on Butler's ankle. Of course, Randall's ankle for the Knicks is going to be an important thing as well. Uh, In the West, I think the Nuggets look to be the superior team over the Suns. That's going to be the most lopsided in my opinion. And then I think the the biggest attraction, the Warriors and Lakers, a complete toss-up for me. Hopeful that the Lakers can pull off another series victory. But fully realizing that the Warriors are a dynasty, a recent dynasty, and it's going to take everything that the Lakers can handle to to win that. So exciting, exciting NBA playoffs for the first time since 
the bubble for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 have, I have confidence in your Lakers. Like I said, I am not a fan of the Lakers. Uh, but it is in the Boston Celtics' best interest that the Warriors get eliminated. So I'm, I might be biased from that point because I, if, if, if I had to pick the lesser of two evils, I would say bring on the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, gang. If it got to a finals between the Lakers and the oh, Celtics, yeah. it would be just – it would be – we would need somebody to that, edit and to, got, to take away the beeps and, and all the fun. swearing. That would be fun. <laughs> It would be fun, but it would be it would be fun because he knows the Celtics would be prohibitive favorites. Um, but anything else, Ernie? I'm good. All right, gang. Again, this weekend, the University of Hawaii men's volleyball team start their quest for a three-peat in the national championship semifinals on Thursday, finals on Saturday. Hopefully, they'll be coming home next week, Sunday, as we record as three-time national champs. And don't forget, check out the Hawaii um, Sports Radio network kule and the gang are all over the place they're wrapping up their oia seasons a lot of hpu sports still in play right now check them out mornings from 8 to 9 on 760 a.m 95.1 fm on the hawaii sports radio network where you can find at their website you can find the sports rivals podcast as well you can you can listen to it there spotify apple play wherever you want but tell your friends about the sports rivals because we're looking to grow and we're looking to bring our content to the rest of the united States. And until next week, for the Sports Rivals, we're out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.